The Old Testament reading for this ninth Sunday after Pentecost comes from Deuteronomy chapter 7. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more new... Because you were more in number than other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading for this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to, com who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I have to begin by giving you an assignment. You take your hymnal, and if you'll turn to page 322 and put a ribbon there, we're going to refer to that later. 322. And now once you've done that, close it up. Set it aside so it doesn't distract you, but near enough that you can grab it at the right moment. <laughs> The text for the sermon today is the gospel reading where Jesus tells us some well-known kingdom parables, parables that describe in some way or other what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we should probably first talk about what the kingdom of heaven is. Matthew uses this phrase, kingdom of heaven, 32 times in his gospel. And in the other three gospels, that phrase is used not at all. Matthew is the only one who uses it. And when we think of a kingdom, we probably think of a place like the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We still call that a kingdom today. Or maybe it was a, a time or an era uh, maybe the uh, King Arthur's time or something like that, that kingdom. We don't think otherwise much about a kingdom, but here in Matthew, he uses this to denote something else, not a time, not a place, not a region or something like that. He uses it to describe the reign of God, the kingship of of God. So when we read kingdom of heaven here in our gospel lesson, we could substitute the reign of God. So Jesus tells these parables to describe what the reign of God is like. Not just heaven out there when we get there or something like that. But the reign of God. Jesus comes, John the Baptist comes, and both of them say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God, is at hand. And of course, we look ahead to the cross and the crucifixion, and we see there God in Christ reigning. 
doesn't look like much of a throne. But it is. Jesus says, when I am high and lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And right before his crucifixion, he says, glorify your son. And God says, I glorify your name. And he says, I have glorified and I will glorify it again. Of course, the, the kingdom of this world, the reign of this sinful fallen world, is Satan's. The book of Ephesians talks about that. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You don't have to look very far or very long to see that that's true. In this fallen world, there are demonic, satanic forces at work governing this world. But Paul says in Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, to the reign of his beloved son. And we sing about that, of course, in this uh, Easter hymn. We sing, In Satan's domain did the host shout and jeer, For Jesus was slain, the evil, whom the evil ones fear. And then, of course, goes to the resurrection. Into Satan's domain came the Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, to suffer under Pontius Pilate, to be crucified, to die, to be buried, to rise from the dead again on the third day in victory over Satan and this present darkness. The kingdom of heaven that Jesus describes in his parables today is the reign of heaven, the reign of God. And Jesus came into this domain, into the domain, the reign of Satan, to utterly destroy him, to defeat him, to wrest away from him a people for himself, a people for God. Deuteronomy 7 that we read today says, You are a holy people to the Lord your God, to Yahweh your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. And that has overtones in our gospel, doesn't it? Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, God chose you. God brought Israel out of Egypt. He redeemed them from the house of slavery, from the reign of the king of, Pharaoh, uh, for, uh, the king of Egypt, from Pharaoh. They went from being Pharaoh's possession to being God's treasured possession. And why? Deuteronomy sort of asked that question. He says, was it because you were so numerous that God took you to be a people for himself? Was it because they were so beautiful, such beautiful, wonderful people God wanted them? Was it because they were so really, really good? No, there was nothing about them that earned God's favor. It was simply because God loved them, because the Lord loved them, because he's a faithful God who keeps covenant with his people because of his steadfast love. 
And you, of course, you are the true people of Israel by faith. God keeps and has kept his covenant of steadfast love with each one of you. You are the treasured possession of God. Like Old Testament Israel, God has brought you out of slavery, out from under the reign of Pharaoh, the reign of Satan, and brought you into the kingdom of, of his son, brought you under his reign. And being God's treasured possession takes us to the parables of Jesus today that he teaches to his disciples here about the kingdom of heaven, about the reign of God. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Now there are different ways that people interpret that parable. One of the common ways is to say that we are the person who finds that treasure. That the gospel, the word of God, is that treasure. Our salvation, that when we come in contact with our salvation, oh, it is the most wonderful, beautiful thing, and we should give up everything to follow Christ. And that's not... All of those sentiments are right and true and good. We should be prepared to give everything, to give away everything in order to follow Christ, to make the confession that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. That if they come to chop off our head, as they did one of the prophets, uh, not the prophet, let's see, it's one of the martyrs. I forget now which one it is. They said, we're going to chop your head off for making this confession. He said, thanks be to God. That's faith. That's trust. That's a belief. That's a treasure worth guarding and keeping, right? Your salvation is the most important thing. But that's one way to interpret this parable, but I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. It's all true, but I don't think that's what this parable means. How do we give up everything to make the kingdom our own? See, this person who finds the treasure goes and sells everything to make it his own. How do we do that? How do we buy or, or make this treasure our own, right? It's a free gift to us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Isaiah says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 8 again. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? You see, your faith, your eternal life, your, this gift of heaven, it's all a gift to you. You don't have to give away anything for it. 
We give away everything. We count everything as loss for the sake of it. We are willing to give up even our life for the confession of our faith in Jesus Christ. But we didn't buy it. We didn't earn it. Are we the actor then in the parable about the kingdom of heaven, about the reign of God? Have we stumbled upon this treasure and need to make sure that we are receiving it? We take a look at our epistle lesson today. If you want to, you can look at that, that reading, skim through it, and notice who the actor is, who's doing the verbs, who's doing it. Who is working things together for our good? Who foreknew? Who predestined? Who called? Who justified? Who glorified? Who is for us? Who did not spend or spare his own son, but gave him up for us all? Who is graciously giving us all things? Who is interceding for us? It's pretty obvious. It's God in every case. God is the one doing God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the actor. When we find ourselves in the reading, we are on the receiving end, always in these readings. All things work for our good. We have been foreknown, predestined by God, called, justified, glorified. We receiving from God's gracious hand all things, Christ interceding for us at God's right hand. And this is the way that it is in all of Matthew's Kingdom of Heaven parables. God is always the actor. Anytime there's a central figure, it's God or Jesus. And so here, too, it is. The Kingdom of Heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The reign of God is like this, Jesus says. The reign of God is like this. It's like a man, God, who finds a treasure in a field, gives up everything for it. Jesus is the actor, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He's the one who paid everything for that treasure. God paid the full price of redemption. God in Christ Jesus is the one who gave up everything for you and for me. And it was his great joy to do it, to purchase you from the kingdom of Satan, to make you his own precious possession. And we say, that's hard to believe. If you only knew my thoughts, if you only understood how I really act, you would know that I'm not a treasure. How can God want a person like me? How can he really love me that much? And I'd say we're all in good company, aren't we? You and me. And it's my joy to tell you that Jesus has paid for your sins just like he's paid for my sins. Paul says this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners 
of whom I am the worst. He didn't come to save polished rubies and glowing sapphires and shining diamonds. He came to save pieces of coal, pieces of dirt, sinners like you and me. God takes you as you are, burdened with your sins of omission and commission. The lost and condemned person, he, he takes it all. He takes it all into himself. And he wipes your slate clean. And he becomes the guilty one. He takes you as you are, but he doesn't leave you there. Luther says it well in the explanation to the second article of the Creed. And so that's page 322 if you want to look at that real quick here. We'll read it together. second article of the Creed is talking about the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, and what he's done to secure our salvation. So we'll recite this together. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true, that you may be his own and live under him in his reign. That's why he did it. Jesus Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised for our justification, Paul says in Romans 4. And this is the measure with which you are loved that God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for you. That the full price of your redemption has been paid. That God in Christ is the one who has done what needs doing to make sinners into holy saints. And nothing in all of creation can separate you from that love. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not governments, not judges, not any authority, not the events of the day, not the things that are to come, not the power, height, depth, not the past, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus because you are God's treasured possession. And it gives him great joy to have brought you into his kingdom, into his reign. And for that, we will join together and give praise to our God forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.